Welcome everybody to the Financial Brio Podcast. This is lovely. I hope that you guys are having a lovely day. Okay, pun intended. People usually do that to me, so I'm going to do that to y'all. And I hope that you are having a wonderful week wherever you are. And today I am joined with Lawrence, the other one third of the Financial Brio. Unfortunately, Atlanta is not here with us today. How are you doing, Lawrence? I'm doing amazing. And just for the record, Alana is not here because she's picking up her cat from the groomers. And that's literally why. Just to let you guys know, she's, you know, she's the third person in the Beyonce group. <laughs> I don't know who the last it was. It's Michelle. She's the Michelle. Oh, my goodness. The Call it what it is. She's going to be mad when she hears this. Yes, Atlanta. Um, I hope you enjoy um, Bruno's wonderful pickup. She's literally the gentrifier at this point. She came into a, a, a neighborhood. She's gentrifying it. She got her cat. She's picking up from the groomers. Yep. Yeah. She's the I'm gentrifier. I'm pretty sure you're having a latte right now, Atlanta. Yep. Exactly. Not even from Starbucks. Some fancy, you know, coffee stop and on the way or something. But no, no, all jokes aside, Atlanta, we're missing you on this episode. And we hope that you have a great Saturday or wherever you are, whatever day it is. Um, Lawrence, what are we talking about today? Because you, you've been reading books, right? Or I haven't been reading books. Let's not let's not add the extra S to this. Let's not do this. <laughs> let's, let's not let's not create these lies. And second, I haven't been physically reading a book. I did um, I guess upgrade myself or me and my wife upgraded to the MX and which provides us with free um audible. You know, MX gives all, all types of free stuff, but that one is also a part of it. Um, if you're a brand ambassador for MX, um, just hit us up at um, the financial oh, yes. at gmail.com because we don't mind. It's financial. It's actually really on brand. Yeah, like I'll just say, y'all know, I'm just, hey, rich people live differently. We get free stuff. You get that MX Platinum. It's a whole different level. Lauren said that MX Platinum. So y'all hear this, right? They treat you okay, with okay. respect. Okay, okay, guys. Okay, we're going to be serious. Lawrence light flex so you 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 were with your mx platform um platform right platinum whichever platinum platinum get it correctly get it correctly correctly. um mx listening we're just practicing if you guys give us a brand deal we're we're pretty much pretty sure we'll be no i could run through i could run through this for people just let you know so there are credit cards that are good for you i know uh it's been pushed in the media and um in society that debt is bad especially by uh are you deep diving into i'm deep diving real quick deep diving real quick like you know debt is bad but in truth debt is not bad debt is just a factor of life it's like gravity is bad it doesn't make any sense like you fighting against the the sky it doesn't make any sense debt is just debt credit cards are just credit cards how we use them becomes like the the problem right if we don't use them correctly they could create toxic uh environments for us but if we do use them correctly it can actually um, work to our benefit. For example, me and my wife this year in 2021, we received $500 from the credit card companies. That's dope. Instead of just the, um, the interest, they also gave us cash back, rewards, so on and so forth. So ultimately to the, the tune of $500. So that means I didn't pay them, they paid me. So in that accord, uh, there are cards that are great, um, especially if you're at different stages or even if it's um, part of your lifestyle. For example, me and my wife love to travel in 2022. You know, no matter if this Omicron or not, we're going to still keep rolling with it. And we're just going to roll into to, to, to catching COVID internationally if we need to. So ultimately, we got uh, we upgraded ourselves to the Amex Platinum, which offers a couple of things. One, you know, just to, just to make it completely clear, the annual fee is $695. It's, it hits you off the top. 
but they provide you $200 for um, hotels. They provide you $200 for flights. They provide you $200 for Uber and Uber Eats. So whatever combination that is for you. Equinox as well. Yes, they provide $300 for Equinox. Uh, they provide uh, $100, which is divided in two for Saks uh, Fifth Avenue purchases credit um, um, per year. Uh, they also provide the $179 credit for Clear, which is, lets you kind of fly through with your biometrics. It's an upgrade to the TSA PreCheck, but they also provide the TSA PreCheck and Global Entry. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of good stuff. And on top of that, they give you $240 for entertainment purposes, being either Peacock, which is an app, um, Audible, New York Times, and even NR Sirius Satellite Radio. With that being said, the, it's on point. Huh? Isn't that yeah. Um, we opted. Well, I try to tell my buddy about the series because he has it. The first thing I always do in my mind, I'm very much people centered. So mm -hmm. I'm like, if it's something that you're using, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm getting it for free. Technically, you pay me half. That means half your cost. And I also get a little, a little bit on the side. He was cut. He didn't understand the deal. So I'm like, OK, whatever, bro. <laughs> do you. So now I'm getting free Audible and then I'm also getting free New York Times. So sometimes you, you can't explain to people what they can do better. You know, you could try to offer them the hand, but if they just want to pay whatever they want to pay, let them pay. Ain't my situation. I even told them, I don't care for serious. I don't listen to radio that much, but I know you do and you have it. Why not, you know, just let's figure this thing out so we can make this work. Okay, awesome. I think there's something that you said that in the beginning that you set off this um, tangent of that is not necessarily bad. And that's actually contrary to what we're hearing online. Everyone's screaming debt-free. Everyone's goal is I want to be debt-free, debt-free. And it's, it's plastered on TikTok. It's plastered on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. What, what's making you feel so strongly that as a society, we've given a wrong message about debt? I guess for, let, let's take it from the top. I guess this episode is about debt freedom and stuff like that. <laughs> I guess that's what it's going to be. I did get a DM from a young lady. Um, I guess her biggest push was that debt free has worked for her or something to that extent, but she couldn't understand why I was saying that you don't want to have too much cash in your savings account. Right. And I, I told her it's about the math. She's like, well, is money just about math? I'm like, yes, money is math. <laughs> like, it's just do $1 plus $2 is two, <laughs> you know, like, or, or three. It just, I just looked at her. It was just very confusing how she interpreted in her mind that money is just emotional. And I know where she got it from. And it was because of the proliferation of finfluencers, like um, financial influencers, they call it finfluencers, oh, okay. uh, like Dave Ramsey. So he was like the first one that's really pushed out there, um, along with Susan Orman and so on and so forth. And his major push was to let people know that debt is bad. Because a lot of people are, especially in America, a lot of people over 40, and even, you know, a lot of people over 40 were dealing with um, crippling debt that they put themselves into, mm -hmm. um, his message started to resonate with them because okay. it he kind of simplified it. So he didn't kind of, you know, tell them what the numbers are. He didn't create financially literate people. He merely say that, hey, if you want to pay this, it's going to work out for you. So he pushed the message. He branded it. He uh, packaged it with, um, with godly religion, <laughs> like, uh, godly scripture. So that, that was his claim to say. Like, but in truth, it was never that bad. The problem is, is how you use that. The reason that Dave Ramsey had a big issue with debt to begin with is because he was caught, you know, like with his pants down, especially during the housing uh, crisis. 
uh, around that time, he had a, a ton of uh, real estate property. So he was basically a real estate investor, whatever that is, quote unquote, big quotes and quotes. So they, they typically gather a lot of uh, um, homes and then they, they kind of rent it out and say, hey, now I'm cash flowing a certain amount of money per year and I'm a real estate investor. The problem with that um, direction is that you carry a lot of debt with you, which is way more than the average person. So let's say if you have a portfolio of maybe, let's say $3 million, you might even have debt upwards of $2 million or $2 million five. That's literally how you're doing. You're leveraging one thing versus the other, and you're hoping that everything continues down the same path, being right. that, hey, your tenant's going to keep paying, everything's going to work out, and well, then the housing thing crashed, right? The crash happened, and as they say, it's not just one thing that falls, it's everything. That means when the housing crash happened, the, the economy tanked, some jobs, you know, basically kind of like 2020 for us, but even worse. Exactly. I was going to say that. That's like, like people the- lost their uh, all types of things, and people went into a tailspin because of their debts. Because of that situation, the banks themselves, being co-owner of your home, called his bluff. Basically, the bank is like saying, like, well, technically, we let you ride out with all these homes, and you, you live in well and stuff like that, but t- can you pay us for half of these? Or, you know, like, because we don't need to have so much liability on our books. That's really what the bank is trying to do, too, because they're trying to protect themselves by making sure that they don't have so much things on the side that might get worse. Right. So they basically call call his shot. So because they called him up on it, he went into, I guess, I don't, I don't remember the exact details, but he might have went into like the instantaneous bankruptcy. So the stress amongst, like somebody call you and says, hey, you owe me like a million dollars. It's not like you owe me $50 here. It's nah, going to be a million dollars. You, you, you panic and you, I'm pretty sure that level of stress, trauma, PTSD really messed up how Dave Ramsey perceives um, debt structures. And then he passed on the message, that fear message to everybody else. Either right. because they went through it themselves, because they bought way too bigger homes back, you know, in yeah, 20, 2007, 2006, they were buying that. homes that they couldn't afford, literally could not afford. And it's like, oh, everything went down. Because I remember my parents, yeah. time Go ahead. that season was very like, okay, man, my mom used to give me like $20, $30 when we used to, you know, in high school a week. And now it's just out here trying to give me $5. What's going on? Something changed. I remember as in high school, like, wait. Something is changing because I used to get all these expensive shoes and now it's like, oh no, um, we're not, you get three and you had to be taking care of them. And I'm like, okay, something has shifted. And at the time, you know, I'm in high school. So I'm like, what's going on? And essentially I was realizing that something, the economy changed. And it wasn't until like, I'm looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, that was that whole time where foreclosures and everything else, people were over leveraged. And at the time, I think they own like two homes, they had land. And so now that whole over leverage thing was becoming real. But we, but I realized we were living pretty decent for quote unquote middle class in our, um, in our areas. And I was just like, oh crap, like, wait, something is wrong. And I do remember the way my mom like was more pressured and her and my brother's dad at the time were really pressured and they put a lot of pressure into the relationships. The relationship broke up eventually so I do remember that season that a lot of people went through very traumatic things and to tie it to um, COVID people are still going and and to be honest with you we have not seen the results of COVID we are beginning to see it we we talk about all the time people are leaving their jobs all this stuff is happening but what happens when you can't get back into a job and now it's taking you 11 months now you're going to be over leveraged on your mortgage you're going to I do feel like we haven't seen the big repercussions 
of what happened in 2020 yet. In the same way, people are going to probably gravitate towards that debt free because they're going to say, well, it was because I was I, I had debt. It was because I had debt and not necessarily it's because they weren't diversified enough and they were over leveraged in certain areas and not like you're saying, leveraging debt for your benefit, because especially um, one of my business mentors said that. Like at this point, if you can get your hands on the business loan, the, the percentage in which your interest is going to be invested to you is so low. It doesn't make sense that you're investing that much your own capital when you could just leverage the bank's capital for a while until you go to the next level. Because that money you spent this year, you could have just invested it. And that money would have at least 30% increased and it would have been $30,000, $40,000 on your, on your um, cash flow for you. So it's like all these different things, I think we do need to understand leveraging, but then you're right there. There's a psychological aspect that's happened because if you get a call for a million dollars and you don't know how to kind of think, sit back and think you're on, you're on pressure. And all you remember is the trauma. So now the message is it's like that person that goes to the bad relationship and instead starts saying all men or all women. Well, no, you, you, you know, choosing and the types make a difference because you might be with somebody else. The relationships are so beautiful because of the person you chose. So definitely, I think there is a mindset shift that needs to happen with a lot of us because that message of debt-free is allowed. It is not a little message. Yeah, it's, it's, it's intoxicating because you see people <laughs> and then you hear their story. But in truth, like my godson, who's like four, you know, he's debt-free. Like, debt-free is nothing. Oh, my God. Like, like it's, it's, it's of no kind. Yeah, yeah. My guy, yeah, my godson who's, like, four or five, like, you know, like, he's debt-free. Like, being debt-free is of no consequence. It's just a, a it's just how you manage your money. Because you can have, you could be debt-free and have zero wealth. You can literally be debt-free and have zero wealth. I have debt. And I try to explain that to people, because even though they see that I have uh, over $600,000 in, um, in net worth or wealth, mm -hmm. They're like, oh yeah, you don't have that. No, no, no. Where did you get that interpretation? Right. <laughs> like, like, like I, I like I literally people. have told I have my assets are nine hundred thousand. My debts are like three hundred thousand. So therefore, you there's the difference. The difference in wealth is how much my assets minus my liabilities. So that and means that if anybody, yeah, if anybody like calls my bluff, I could always sell my my assets and kind of cover all my liabilities in one fell swoop. So it's not a big deal for me. So the idea is not just to think about debt as being bad, but understanding the math behind everything. And I'm, and this is where we get into the math, right? The math is very simple. Um, if, you're, if your debt is taxing you at maybe, let's say if your debt is taxing you at 15%, it's bad. Yeah, it is bad. But if you're making, um, let's say 30% on the side on something else, then that's the difference of 15%. That's really what that is. If that's exactly the one-on-one -on -one coverage, that's what that is. So when you think about like um, a mortgage, for example, most mortgages fall between like 4%, whereas people's like, oh no, you know, you got to get rid of this mortgage, get rid of this mortgage, but you could have been making on the market based on this extra payments that you're trying to do towards your mortgage, you could have been making 20%, 30% the last two years flat. I don't even have to bring up the numbers for you. Like it's literally how it works. So the big thing that people need to remember when it comes to financial literacy, it's about money management. It's not about crunching every last number and data point as much more as how do you manage your money better in order for you to have better control over yourself, your financial destiny, and your goals. That's all it really is. Are you, are you, I think there's something hilarious that just came to mind, how you're breaking down math. And a lot of people are like, we don't teach financial literacy. And what I hear is, were you paying attention to algebra? Were you paying attention in, in basic arithmetic? Because what I'm saying here is, if you have some, if you have a mortgage, that's, 
literally charging you, let's say 6% of interest. But now you're like, I want to be debt-free. I want to have like no mortgage so I can say that I am, I'm debt-free. You could have essentially taken, let's say you were making an extra payment of 1,500 every month, invested into the market, get a return anywhere from 20 to 30%. Because if we look at the numbers, like you have the Pelosi um, tracker and what was it, 35%? Was it tracking? Nah, that, that, that portfolio itself is tracking on average uh, for the year, 50%. Ooh, okay. 50%. It's like, it's, yeah, this, this is, it's a nasty, it's not even close. If it was like one to point ratio, I could see what you're talking about, but yeah. it'd never be close. 50% and then your 6% interest. When you look at the math, the math is mathing, okay? The math is doing its work. But then there, there, is, um, there is something to be said though, because I do, I do understand that for some people, it's purely mental. Like you could say that all the time. Like you could put it on a board, 6% interest. If you took these extra payments, invest, like here, here's the tracker, invest in these for the year, you would be up about 50%. How much percentage are you losing by just paying your mortgage off early? Yeah. Yeah. Some people, they, yeah. And, and in truth, some people, I don't know why, but they, they feel so debilitated by debt that they feel more comfortable and they sleep better without it. But in truth, yet again, it's a map, it's a mastery of self. So if right. you're not a hundred percent like if you're not balanced, I could tell you're not balanced. It's easy. It's because the way you act and interact with decisions and choices, like I could see how you, it kind of flusters you. In truth, yeah. it's, of, it's of no consequence. If you understood the math, you'd be less anxious about it. Understood mean like if you looked at the numbers, if you literally took time and looked at the numbers, you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes a little bit more sense. But the reason you feel anxious is because you're not knowledgeable. Like anxiety is lessened with more knowledge. It's just right. what it is. So when, when people and that one, one young lady, even at the beginning, because she's like, I need to talk to you. So I'm like, I'm a, I have to call you on the phone or something. I told her at the very beginning that, hey, my points, a lot of people don't like my points because it, it's going to make them mad. So mid conversation, after two sentences, she was already mad. <laughs> no damn sense. I warned you about this conversation. I warned you where this, this could go if you're not open and, uh, and understanding of where the, the dollar bills are. I could teach you how to do this better. But in, in true, people don't want to know that. And the, the, it was something about the way she had, uh, addressed it. Like, yes, she's um, debt free, but she doesn't know by, on average, Black boomers themselves are not in a position to retire. They're going to retire broke. Why? Because in between, it's not the savings that saves you. You know, you having a large savings account, that's cool and all. But if you don't have the investments to carry you for the next 20, 30 years of life, then you have failed in your mission. Yes, you had a lot of savings underneath the bed. Yes, you have a lot of savings at the bank for 0.01%, but it, it, the value of that money every year drops only because of price inflation. This is another one of those concepts that people don't understand. Like, yeah, Do we understand like every, like every company is putting their foot on our necks after COVID? Like literally, not only guys, look at what you're paying for milk, look at what you're paying for eggs, as they would say. Things have changed. Going to the grocery is costing you a lot more than it was yesterday. And if you're doing dollar for dollar exchange, you have been losing because your dollar now is not worth the same. It's not the same dollar anymore. It's operating differently in the ecosystem of the market. And there needs to be, there's so much to be talked about in our society because there's two folds. There's a psychological, a psychological effect. But then there are some things that we need to be a little bit more pragmatic and very clear that not acting is a choice. 
and not acting is something that can affect you. And I think people want to be more safer, but then it's like the risk that you never take to move might mean that you stay in the same pay bracket for the rest of your life. The risk of not going to love again might mean that you, you will be the person that's maybe 70 wishing that you would have had a family because you weren't willing to take the risk. Like, I know it sounds a little dark and weary, but no, these things that we think that are keeping us safe are actually causing us to go through harder, more difficult situations. Like I know one of the decisions that I made um, 2020, 2019, actually, I made a decision in 2019 and it was based off of probability of different things. I made a decision that if I don't go into business now, the risk that I'm taking right, that I think is a big risk now is not a big risk. It's going to be a risk if I have like two kids, my husband's whatever, and I'm just like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do this. He's going to be looking at me like, you going to do what? Like, do you not see these two children here? Do you not understand? Not that you, you can't start the business when you have children, but the risk becomes higher. The difficulty of it becomes higher. So right now that I don't have that structure, I'm, I put in my mind, if by 33, this does not work, right? I made, I did all the math, did whatever. I, I still will be fine going back to a different path. But I knew that the longer I waited, the more difficult that decision would be made for me to, to take the risk. Not that I wouldn't be able to take the risk later on in life, but the options and the way of the decision would be different. It would weigh differently on my heart because I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm taking this. What would happen if it's not working, but I still have to provide for the children. I still have to be very present. And the mental taxing that it does to start a business, especially if you want to do it the right way, is a lot. It's a, on a very high level. But I knew that taking the risk at 29 wasn't a risk at all because of the amount of time that I could just go back on the other path and just be completely, I would literally be fine. And that's because of the education, my experiences. I still network with people from my industry. Like I still say in a no, I'm not crazy. Like I still say in a no, like I meet with um, like my managers that are moving up in like, you know, higher levels in their companies. I still say in awareness because I'm not oblivious to the fact that I want this to work. I'm putting work to work it. But there is a possibility it may not work the way I envision it. But the risk I was willing to take came off of the backs of understanding math. Like, it's going to cost me more to make the risk in five years. It's going to be more taxing physically, mentally in five years. So I made it now with a timeline of like, these are the goals and these are the metrics that I need to meet. And even coming into our, from our company um, meetings that we did for a couple of days ago, it was about like, we haven't done a good job this year of measuring our progress and our regression. And so everything now is measured. Like everything, if you go into our project um, um, project management, everything from not only the finances of the business, but like the time and energy that we're putting it in, because incrementally you can see when something's not working really early. And um, to, to piggyback off of James Clear, 1% improvement over a, every day becomes a big percentage of improvement over a long time. But 1% of not doing anything becomes a big problem on the inverse. And so I say all this to say that when you are trying to be quote unquote safe, a lot of times you're actually causing yourself to lose on opportunity because you're unwilling to take the risk. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, nah, it's gonna be a little signal for that. But ultimately, um... I think based on this, I, I actually learned something this week, or at least I posted it on my, my IG, um, that rich people, um, well, poor people spin in the straight line. Rich people spin in a circle. What that means is that 
it's a point-to-point interaction between your time and your efforts in order for you to buy some product. That's how poor people spend. Whereas the rich people, they spend in a circle, meaning they buy the asset producing or income producing asset per se. And that income that they get from the asset, they buy the stuff. So it's in a circle. So at no point do they really spend their money. They invest their money in something that creates more money. And from that money, they buy the next thing. So they spend in a circle. The problem is um, when, when we think about this debt-free stuff uh, and this ideology, I think debt-free and um, debt-free is and poverty is actually branded for the poor. It's marketed to the poor. Whereas the rich, their branding is risk, leverage, and, um, and overall uh, reward. So it's all about the knowledge and understanding. So for the rich people, it's a different thing. But for uh, let's say a message like um, Dave Ramsey's message. One is financial peace university. That sounds kind of interesting. One, financial. I don't know anything about that. Peace. What do you mean peace? And university. I've never been to a university. That is a branding for poor people because it, it, it encourages your mind to think, oh my God, that's beyond me. And now it's available to me because it's, it's um, provided to me at the church or so on and so forth. So ultimately, that's the that's the thing about um, the beauty in what Dave Ramsey was able to accomplish, and he um, he nailed it, and eventually became a sales guy for it. Is the idea that he sells poverty to the poor? He sells baby steps to the poor. It's like, hey, these are the baby steps. These are seven baby steps. Any baby could do it, but you're not babies. You're not a toddler. You are an adult. So so this entire thing about financial literacy is complicated, and it should be complicated because you're not a child. It has a metrics, it has understandings, it has um, purpose, it has rationale, it has critical thinking, all of which you should have learned as a child that you now employ as an adult. But this idea of being debt-free, being, um, yeah, you just knock this out and pay us money. We will teach you after you paid us and buy into our concept because at the end of the day, you know where he lives? Dave Ramsey lives in a, a, in a multi-palatial space. He, he leverages, he leveraged you. <laughs> like as a as a, his monetary uh, credit card, I, I guess at that point, he literally leveraged your cash for his lifestyle. That's all he did. And he basically, he's spending in a circle. He created an asset, you know, an income producing asset, which is the business, the brand, the ideology. He takes the money from that thing and he buys what he needs. But you as a poor person, what you do is this straight line. You buy his product based off the time you put and the effort you put into your own job, which is problematic. Because in the long-term sense, Dave Ramsey is going to be a multimillionaire for life. But a lot of people are retiring broke. And that's my, my, the, my biggest gripe with the idea of just being debt-free. Because it's a failure in truly understanding that that's not the goal. The, the goal is to be financially free. The goal is to be cash flow free. The goal is to actually live a very happy and health, um, healthy lifestyle um, at, at whatever stage. The goal is to understand the terms and conditions of your credit card. The goal is to understand the terms and conditions of your own damn mortgage. If you're not reading the terms and you don't understand it, you don't take time to understand it, uh, understand it of course your anxiety is going to be up because you don't know. And if you don't know, you're not going to like make better decisions because in the end of the day, that's how rich people get rich. That was a great example um, the straight line versus the circle. I definitely think, again, taking the back, taking back time to learn. And I think baby steps are exactly what you said. They're baby steps. There are more to come. And financial peace, I think that's what the program is called. It's not free. 
it comes with a cost. It comes with, you know, ability for you to actually invest in yourself. But there's so much more to it. And I think there, like you said, there, there, somebody's winning off of the backs of this messaging, but not understanding, like, how is it impacting you? But I think it goes back to people need to be willing to learn. They need to be willing to do the research. And we are willing to learn. Let me not, let me, let me rephrase that for you guys. You are willing to learn because you learn dances, you learn steps, you learn, you know, what's going on in the, in, in, in society. You are always taking information, but you have to diversify the information that you're taking in. I think it goes to a conversation we were having in our group chat about like um, the other spectrum where people are just pretty much saying, get the money at whatever cost, get the money from lying to people, scamming people and all these other stuff to live a rich lifestyle. I think there needs to be a happy medium. I think what we talk, what we're talking about is lifestyle design and you're just taking information from people, but you need to vet it for yourself. Right. I tell my clients that all the time, I'm not here to teach you what to think, but how to think, to question, to explore, to learn, to ponder, to critically think because that's where some of the greatest innovations and ideas stem from, from someone that's thinking differently, from someone that's questioning, oh, well, people ride rides all the time, but how, how could we make that a lot quicker without necessarily gaining a lot of assets? Oh, and liabilities. Oh, we can use people's cars already. What's the laws? The laws are gray at the time. And Uber decided, okay, we're going to start this thing out in New York and San Francisco. And guess what? Uber is becoming a, it is a gigantic company because somebody was thinking about something that was already happening. I think what's amazing about like these new companies, they were thinking about something that was already happening. People were always eating food and getting it delivered. Now it's like, wait, little small companies can't afford a big fleet like Papa John's. Let's put this all together. And I say that to say, there is something to be said about our generation and the lack of ability to critically think. And to really, we are so into micro content from Instagram and all this other stuff that we're, we don't realize that the winning, the more in-depth thinking is actually going through the process of deeper research, of reading maybe a few different books that you haven't read anymore, because we are not um, we're not, we're uninformed. That was the word I was looking for. We're very much uninformed and we don't realize innovation and advancement comes from us thinking differently. And for you to innovate and advance your own personal finances, you can't stop at level one. And I think it's like going into a building and the building is 26 floors high and you've gone to level two, one and two and you got out the building and you said, oh my gosh, it looks amazing. But you didn't realize 11, from 11th floor, um, the 11th floor above and beyond, was something that you've never seen before. So you're saying the building is great, but you haven't even gotten to the place where you realize that there's so much more that you didn't get to capture. And I think if you only stay in debt freedom and you only think about just, oh, I don't want to have debt, I don't want to have debt, I don't want to have debt, then you are minimizing the potential of your earning potential and your investments in the long term. And it's okay to say, I don't know. If you're listening to this and say, well, Lori, um, um, Lawrence and Lovely are talking about this stuff and it sounds great. It sounds amazing, but I have no idea where to start. I'm going to do a shameless plug here for Lawrence. Um, not that he needs it. He's doing really fine by himself. He's out on these interwebs. Um, the neighborhood Like the resources are actually there. And guess what? It's for the free F R E E for the free. 
The only time Lawrence will ever charge you is if you corner him and say you want personal time. And even then, to be honest with you, knowing Lawrence, if you want to hop on Zoom and talk about finances or Clubhouse, he's typically down, okay? So essentially, if you go to resources, they, he has the financial tools, he has the NetMax plans, he has the investment group information, and anything that you need to know. And he blogs about it. He has it from beginner level, step one, intermediate level, okay? He talks about the fire journey. He breaks down his network. Um, there's um, the financial neighborhood finance guide weeklies where he kind of breaks down the um, just not only financial information, but other information that can help you become a better person. And of course, you have here the financial grill. Um, there was there's up episodes that are coming or are on here. I don't remember that will help you understand financial terms that will help you understand breaking down the things that are more complex for you. I just want you to understand that you have you have to have willingness to change, and it's okay to start start there. But what we're saying is that there's more coming, there's more coming that you can do. And if you don't know, there's plenty of information. One of the books that I think everyone should read, especially in the beginning, is I will teach you how to be rich by Ramit City. I think he does a really really great job of breaking down some of these complex things and also breaking down thought process because he he talks about the thinking that goes behind financial freedom your rich life it's not lovely's rich life lauren's rich life but your rich life you get to define that for yourself and so all these resources that we mentioned we'll be putting them in the show page notes for you more i.e lawrence will be putting them in the show page notes for you but essentially it's for the sake of your growth and what we aspire to do at the financial griot is to tell the money stories it's to tell our failures i don't want you guys to listen to this and think that we've reached a level that is beyond everyone else. I am still learning. Sometimes I'm like, this year, I was like, what the hell did, What the hell were you thinking? Like, you didn't plan this out. You didn't think about this as thorough as you thought that you did. And so for me, it's, all, it's literally about growing and knowing that our money narratives don't have to stay the way that they started. You really can make that change. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, essentially. And I don't have anything else to say, but I hope that you take action. Like, look at the resources, use them. Lawrence? Yeah, I think you you tackled everything. I think part of it, we we started off with this conversation about how I'm getting uh, the free stuff from Amex, right? And the idea is like way before I ever, you know, I always thought about Audible. I get the emails all the time, but I was like, I'm not going to pay for that sucker. Like I have other things to pay for, other investments. I rather use it to pay off debt, so on and so forth, right? I could do all these other things. And I've heard other people, they just buy the, the Audible because I love it, whatever. So ultimately I get this Amex and now I have it all for free. So that's a, a basically whatever value that is, even if it's just 10 bucks a month, it's all free for me right now. Just like I said, rich people, they pay in the circle. Uh, so in, instead of me paying directly with my own personal cash to get this Audible, now this actual credit card company provides it to me for free. On top of that, there's another level to this, which is, you know, instead of just leaving all your money in the bank saving account at the average, and I'm pretty sure it's still the average, 0.01%, which is next to nothing, while inflation pushes anywhere from 4 to 5% annually now. That's kind of where it's going. So ultimately... If you had invested the same or even some amount of money into a, a stock market, even to, to, to that one specific stock, for example, if you invested in a Chase, let's say you have a Chase card and you invested in, in Chase itself, the, five, the last five years is grown 110%. That's on average 22% per year. Plus, on top of that, you get dividends of 2.34%. That's insanity. That means on top of the money, you're getting even more money. So you're getting 24% versus getting 0.01%. 
on your money. On top of this, like, because I, I don't just want to just um, jot down Chase, American Express, which we, me and my wife do have some American Express, like the last five years, they've been up 130%. That's on average almost like 25% per year. Plus they have their dividend of 1%. So there's always this, there's, the, there's a way you play this game that is very much more, it's more important and indicative of what you end up doing because it's one thing to just become debt-free and just sit there. This is one thing to have a, a massive savings account and just sit there. But in truth is if, how do you employ this cash so it can make more money for you becomes very important. And it's gonna end up being the, the difference between you retiring broke or retiring filthy rich and being able to afford giving that money, transferring that money over to your kids and your kids' kids. And that's what we're trying to say with this entire episode. It's not to say that you don't want to be debt-free because, hey, do, do what you want to do, but understand the terms and conditions as to how you put yourself into debt freedom and not have enough savings and investment to provide for your future. So if it comes down to it, if you have to pay down debt, I always recommend that you pay down the high consumer uh, debts, such as credit cards. 16, 17%, that's a lot. You can't really, you know, ver you can't guarantee that in the market. That's just, you, you literally can't. So ultimately locking those out makes a lot of sense. I would save the, the, the mortgage stuff until later as you start establishing and making sure that you're matching at your job because you cannot duplicate, you know, 100% match at your job. That's literally 100% growth. That's free money down the line. People are keep throwing as, as much as $5,000 per year on the table, they're like, mm, I don't need that because I don't want to do the match. But in truth, if you actually match, you've been better off with that money. So even if you're saving, even if you're investing, right, $100 per week, even if you're investing $100 per week for 40 years, that that's $1.7, almost $1.8 million. It's not a lot to get yourself ahead, but it's way, it's a different ball game than just sitting around and say, hey, I'm debt free and what do I do now? Make sure you're making the right call for yourself so that your money works better for you. So you can grow your wealth so you don't retire broke. And that's the message of this story. And if you have a lot of questions, and I know you're going to have a lot of questions, a lot of pushback, please be, feel free to comment, share, like, review, ask the questions, because that's what we're here for. Like um, Lovely stated, we're going to be fine either way. We're just trying to make sure you're okay. So if you have questions about it, you want to dive deeper, please feel free to find us where you, you see us, either on the website, we do have a YouTube, we do have the, the reviews, we do read all the comments and concerns, because we just really want to see the, the community win and grow up from being babies. And that's where I land. Well, with that said, I hope that you guys are reviewing the Financial Grio podcast on iTunes. It helps us more visibility, more people can hear about what we're talking about and hopefully help them change their lives. And to the tune of that, you can find um, us at The Financial Griot on IG, Twitter, and Facebook. And from there, you'll have all our links, Lawrence, Atlanta, and myself. You'll find all our information there. I hope you guys have a good day or night, whatever time you're listening to this. Enjoy. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to The Financial Griot Podcast, powered by the Wealth Builders Collective. 